the podcast, Can You Take My Shift? Your favorite coworkers are off the clock and back for another episode. Hello and welcome back, girl bosses. How are you? How was your day? Do you do you just having an exciting day? An awesome day? Are you looking for awesome new opportunities? Do you want to join the family, the collective, the movement? Amy, do you want to join me in my cult? I mean, business opportunity. I mean, you had me at cult. Fair enough. Well, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Amy, before we get into today's thrilling topic, any new things to update our listeners on? No? Question mark? I don't think so. I mean, two weeks ago was our very special video, so thank you guys so much for the support on that. It was really fun to film. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. Do I have anything new? Well, we could, okay, so Amy doesn't remember winning, so Amy did not win. Oh, I did, no, excuse me, we did win, thank you, thank you. Okay, so I will let you guys in a backstage, back, top secret, behind the scenes. So Amy only won by half a point, but she was like, oh, I'll just round it up so it looks nicer. No, 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 okay, there was a, there was a question that we either were going to have as either half a point or a full point, depending on whether or not there was a tiebreaker. But because we'd already won by that half a point, I was like, I'll just round it up. It's fine. Look, I'm sorry. Someone's just bitter. Okay. Sorry you didn't get to take home the WWE belt. (laughs) Oh, my God. I wanted that so badly. No, it's fine. But the funny story about that is so... Friend of the podcast, Bachelor Number Three, Mason. We were shopping before for food before we decided to film the episode, and in the clearance aisle of the grocery store was this blow-up WWE belt that was five feet long, and he was like. I should get this. And I was like, should this be the podcast prize? Like, we're all joking about it. And then we like, we're like, ha, 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 nah, nah, we don't need it. I mean, it was $5, but, but like, I couldn't fully commit to the joke. And I wasn't allowed to, like, fully body slam anyone for it. That was outlawed. No. <laughs> we have hardwood floors and yeah. we rent. Okay. Yeah. And also, I think a one good body slam would truly kill you. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Or, like, completely reset my back and, like, make me a better person. Yeah. So, you know. You'd gain four inches because you'd finally be standing up straight. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. Am I willing to uh, roll the dice there? So, we so we go back home and then Mason goes, I text my friend and um, I will be right back. And I was like, are you going to get it? I'm just... I'll be right back. <laughs> so he comes back with it. And I was like, oh, you so you did get it. And he's like, well, here's the story. So it's one of those grocery stories where if you have, like, the loyalty card, you get the sale price. But if you don't have the loyalty card, you have to pay full price. Oh, yeah. So he forgot his loyalty card. So he's like, I had to go. I couldn't go to the self-checkouts. I had to go to the in-person checkout. And that was the only thing I had because I had to give him my phone number so I could get it for $5. And I felt really awkward. So I was like, um... It's for my son. <laughs> Let it be known. He does not have a son. No, this man is 23 years old. <laughs> He's a baby. Yeah. 
I mean, he has shared custody of the cat. Yes. But yeah, but the dead parent is like, it's for my son. And he had a whole backstory as well. Hmm? It's like, it's for his birthday. Yeah. He's really wanting it. I'm going to hold on to it. But as soon when he told he came in and he's like, yeah, I said it was for my son. I was in the middle of drinking a vodka soda. And I, like, laughed so hard and gagged. That soda went straight out my nose. So it was vodka and soda because we have a soda stream. And it burned. Oh, and no. it went all over my pants. <laughs> So I wasn't the only one who, like, spilt a drink over somebody that night. Good to know. Good to know. But, yeah. Long story short, thank you for everyone who watched our extra special episode, who enjoyed it. We all appreciate you guys following along when we try something new. And it was just really nice to have the six of us together. Because who has... Who knows when the six of us will be together again? Oh, yeah. Not... It makes me kind of sad. Probably not for a while, but um, it was a lot of fun. Everyone had a good time. So that's all that matters. And there is a, like, hidden blooper reel that will never see the light of day. (laughs) We can see it, but publicly... Maybe if someone donates us a bunch of money, then I will put it on the internet. True. I, I will sell my soul. <laughs> so, okay. We'll post the blooper reel if um, three companies want to sponsor us. Uh, the WWE, because they're so camp. So camp. SodaStream, because we as bitches love a SodaStream. Yep. And that episode was also sponsored by the Dollarama, because a bunch of the things were from the dollar store. Yep. So yeah, if uh, one of those three want to sponsor us, uh, Amy will release the blooper reel. Yep. It has exciting moments as Kaylee eating, struggling to eat a carrot. Yep. Uh, me spilling a drink all yeah. over my partner. And I still feel real bad about yeah. that. A bunch of us just like zoning out at one point. Yeah, but and more. So now that aside, let's get into what today is actually about. When you think of the three words that come to light, when you think of family, sisterhood, motherhood, careers, I think of the three G's, gaslight, gatekeep, and girl boss. Amen. 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 Now, a documentary came out a couple weeks ago, I think, or maybe it's been a month now. About we've been over a month. Yeah, now. about one of my favorite MLMs. Now I say favorite. Now I don't mean like favorite. Like I love their products because I do not. We're not endorsing these products. No, my favorite. Maybe my favorite train wreck or my favorite shit show. So we all know I love a good MLM expose. There we go. That's the best word. I follow some, I subscribe to some like anti-MLM YouTubers. If there is like a documentary that is put out, I am watching it. Yes. (laughs) And Amazon put out a documentary about LuLaRoe, which I think we have briefly talked about on the podcast before. Yes. And quick, long story short, for those who don't know, LuLaRoe is a, was, was a MLM clothing brand so they're very they're most famous for their magical leggings yes that came in all different prints Mm -hmm. and crazy things like that so we decided to watch the amazon documentary called it's called lula rich and so we watched so there's four episodes so we have only watched episode one and two because i didn't want to get this all mixed up in my head yes so this episode we're going to be talking about one and two and then next episode we're going to be talking about three and four 
so we are fully sober for this episode, but I've heard shit hits the fan in the lighter half of the documentary. So maybe third and fourth, we might need to have a couple drinks. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we'll do, we'll all do a shot and then we'll get on with it. Absolutely. So this documentary, I was first kind of shocked that they got... So the creators of LuLaRoe are Mark and Deanne. Is it Steidem or Stidham? Something like that. I don't it doesn't know. fully matter. I'll, Mark and Deanne. Mark and Deanne, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So they are the creators of LuLaRoe. They are Mormons. I feel that's very important to start that off. Um, as someone who has Mormon members of my family and anyone who knows about the Mormon church, this makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> yeah. Primarily the predatory practices. Mm-hmm. Now, so it starts off with um, with Mark and Deanne. They're sitting down for the interview, and I was actually surprised. Like, wow, like how... If this is clearly not going to put them in a good light, how did they get to them to agree to this? And it's very interesting how they film them the mm-hmm. entire time because it's very, like official and it's in a very like bright space and mm-hmm. they like never say anything bad anything bad about their time yeah because they're in chairs they have like their clothes behind them it looks very nice like i think like she's wearing i think some lolaro and then some designer yeah and she's in wearing suit. like louboutins or something like Val- i think valentino like mm-hmm. shoes or something and then her tacky ass lula road dress and i'm like man make up your mind okay. so it starts with their backstory so mark and deanne so they're both divorced but then they they married each other yes they have 11 kids four biological three adopted because those and then seven are from deanne's previous marriage yes and then mark and then they had the four together And then the documentary likes to just start off with, you know this is going to be shit back crazy when they go, oh yeah, two of our kids are married to each other. Like, they're not blood related. No, and they kind of glaze over the fact because they quickly go like, oh, our daughter this and this and this and then this person married this and then our daughter. Because they adopt a lot of kids. Like, I think a majority of their kids are adopted. So they go, yeah, our Mm -hmm. adopted son and our adopted daughter ended up getting married. And then they just move on. And it's like... Okay, that's not the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Kind of makes me uncomfortable. But I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. I think we need to unpack this. The fact... (laughs) No, we don't, Kelsey. We really don't. But... The fact that they just glaze over that and they're like, ha ha, I can you like, it was pretty, it was a little funny, you know, welcome to the wedding of our daughter, marrying our son. They're like, but, but they're not related. They never lived in the same house. But it, for me, I have a real problem with, so movies and television like to do pseudo incest where, you know, like step siblings. Or like in Clueless. Yeah. Like that is, you know, they're not related at all, but you know, they were once brother and sister. Like that's gross. And then, you know, like if any of anybody has seen Sex Ed in season two, like two of the characters date and then their parents end up dating and become together. Yeah. But then they break up because they like... A, that's not a good relationship. They'd be like, that's fucking weird. But it's still, like, that's that's now your stepsister who you have made out with. And I understand that there's a whole industry that is a lot of money off that, but I don't like how it is a com- it's become a common trope in movies and TV. Yeah. And I don't... I, don't, I think it's weird because, I, I mean, I, I don't have any siblings, but I know a lot of people who do, and all of them are, like, gross. 
Oh yeah, I have I have step siblings. Absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. No. Never. No, and like you never lived in the same house as your step siblings, but no. still, it's gross. It's still gross. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like when you were you were really freaked out by the fact that like, you're like think I'm married, and I was like, again to me, not the craziest thing that can happen, especially I'm like they're Mormon and they're from Utah, so for them that's just how people meet. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, so so that's so, so set the scene. Um, there are Mormons from Utah. Their children are ma- two of their children are married to each other. Um, so then where do you think where we go from there? Well, Deanne just talks about her family because she comes from a big family as well. Uh, she is twin. Her twin sister's name is Diane. Diane and Deanne. Because, uh, as in her own words, her mother was uh, so imaginative. So imaginative. And so they get both into their backstory. So they're trying to, like, set, I think, like a rag. Not, like, necessarily, like, a rags to riches. But they want to make you feel like they they rose above. Yeah, they, they were living, like, the American dream. Like, they worked hard to get where they were to support their family. Like, I think one of the big things that Deanne touched on that her mom did is like one day I'm not 100% sure what her mom did for work I can't remember but she made a point of like her mom took three grand out of the bank in like bills went home went onto their like house like staircase balcony and made it rain on her children to make them show what working hard looks like and what it can feel like I was like I don't like that like what? I'm just gonna make it rain on my kids so they know the value of a dollar. I like, feel like that does the opposite. Like it just makes you feel like, oh, this is what money. Like I guess it shows you that this is what like money looks like and how it can make you feel. But I feel like that's a very unhealthy relationship with money. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's a very very unhealthy relationship with money. I think what happened was this because this memory to her is so vivid. Mm-hmm. It's, like, definitely one of her, like, her core memories. But, like, I don't even know how how you would explain that. Because when you think, sometimes some of us, okay, when you think of a story from your childhood and then you think it's funny and then you tell your friends and you're like, and they're like, that's fucked up. And yeah. you're like, what are you talking about? It's fine, fine. And they're like, yeah, that's, that's kind of fucked up, bro. It's like that thing in Bob's Burgers. Lynn, I think I had a bad childhood. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What do you mean you know? Look at you. Happy people who had good childhoods. Don't stand like that. And I'm like, I feel this. So that story, when she's telling it, she's she's like, she's thinking of it so fondly. But if it was just like you telling me that, I'd be like. It's weird. Dude, that's really weird. Yeah. I think like maybe your mom might have been bipolar because that sounds like a like a manic episode. Yeah, it just sounds very strange. Mm-hmm. Like that's not something like a typical parent can do. And then like Mark also had like a really weird quote that he said that I mean, like, growing up, he's a very typical cis, straight, white man, you know, white collar, works super hard. But he also, like, everyone back in the day, white man privilege, you know, of, like, mm-hmm. working hard. But his dad told him, it's like, the only thing worse than being flat broke was knowing that he's going to make, like, $400 a week for the rest of his life because he wanted to be his own boss. He didn't want to work just, like... A mundane job. Which, to me, I'm like, okay. 
But something about that, like, rubbed me the wrong way. It did, too, because... He believes that people are beneath him. Yeah. And that's, that is such a shitty white privileged male way of thinking. Yeah. And when it comes down to jobs is there is two type of labor. There is, people are doing jobs for one or two reasons. One, because you can't do it. Mm -hmm. And two, because you don't want to do it. Yep. And he thinks that a lot of jobs that he can't do or don't want to do are beneath him. Even though like a lot of we need these we need these jobs. We do. Yeah. Yeah, you need people doing labor jobs. You don't want to be a coal miner. Well, they needed coal miners because how are you supposed to heat your house? Yeah. Like there's people who are going to love making that $400 a week and just love mm-hmm. it and love it and love it and like how dare you think that you were so much better than them to look down upon them. Mm-hmm. Like Especially where you go from here. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like that. When he said that, I literally wrote it down and I was like, that's fucked up. Yeah. Like, I, he's trying to put like, the entrepreneurial mindset into his son. But like, that's such a fucked up way of doing it. Being like, these people are beneath you. So you can just step on them. I really hate the word entrepreneur. Oh, it's so bad. I hate it oh. so much. Like anytime I would, when I was on dating apps and I'd see that a guy had in his profile entrepreneur it was no absolutely not (laughs) that's a fancy way of saying you are unemployed absolutely Uh, your job i don't i don't think your career should define you just as as like what does the quote go oh what um what's your dream job i don't dream of labor yeah so i don't think i think it's good to have a healthy relationship with your job and it's good to do a career that you enjoy yeah but just because you don't want to do a shit job, that doesn't mean that's all you are. Yeah. And but to him, that's what it is. That's all. That's all it was. Yeah. And then they end this little get to know you by going, by Deanne lovingly going. There's a lot of times I hate him. I just don't like him. Like what is with straight couples? Yeah. Not all straight couples, but like I guess like boomer couples being like, oh, I hate my wife, big old ball and chain. Yeah. Like, my husband like makes me angry like shouldn't you love your significant other like yeah they're not always gonna be like you don't always have to like them but i wouldn't straight out say that i hate my partner if you hate him you're clearly not against divorce you've been divorced once yeah because you know back in the 50s it was really hard to get divorced so i understand being like i hate my spouse because they hit me and i can't leave them yes but it's 2021. If you hate him, leave him. Yeah. And especially, why would you say that? You, you're t- The two of you are trying to present, like, this wholesome front. Like, oh, no, we're not the bad guys. Because that's what they're... Because they're, they're self-serving assholes. That's what they, they are. are. They're self-absorbed. And they want attention so badly. And yeah. then they're trying to present this front that... What... They clearly did not start a pyramid scheme. Yeah. And then you turn and go, and I just hate him. Well, again, it, it goes back to that thing of being like, we can say this. It makes us relatable, right? Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't. Yeah. Like, my partner will annoy me. You will annoy me. But I would not go on live TV if you were giving an interview. Yeah, which made you guys start the podcast. Oh, no, we have a lot of laughs here. We're really funny. Sometimes they just fucking hate this bitch. <laughs> like, ugh. No, you don't do that. Huh. It's just rude like there's no other way to say it but after this point after we get like a little bit of background into Deanne and Mark uh, we learn about how like Deanne kind of came about creating LuLaRoe 
And it was because she started selling dresses from a flea market and then would invite friends over to parties to sell these dresses. Because, like, she, growing up, they didn't have a lot of money, but she always wanted her kids to look great, as do most middle-income families. Mm -hmm. And so then she started buying these dresses from the flea market in bulk and telling her friends to come over for these parties and selling things that way. And then she got other people involved. And this was that was basically what LuLaRoe was before it ever had a name or a company or anything like that. Because the company itself wasn't actually formed until 2013. And then, I didn't know this. I thought I thought this was kind of cute, and I'm very probably alone in this opinion, but, like, the company is named after their first three gr- grandkids, which was, like, Lucy, Lola, and Monroe, so that's why it's LuLaRoe. I will give them one thing. That is, that is sweet. It is sweet. That's the only thing they get. That's all they get, but, like, I also think, and I'm like those poor grandkids i know <laughs> like oh no yeah Lu- lucy lola and Monroe are just like trying to stink in the back of the class well no uh, no no couldn't be me couldn't nope. be me nope nope so i don't know who you're talking about yeah i think it was named after a dog couldn't be yeah. me <laughs> yeah <laughs> so they like to classify lularoe as network marketing yeah there's always a new word people find for pyramid schemes it, first it was because it went from pyramid schemes to multi-level marketing and then network marketing then people person to person marketing like I think it's literally been called like everything under yeah. the sun now just to avoid it being called a pyramid scheme because as soon as it's like called that or multi-level marketing like shut down immediately mm-hmm. by the government because they're illegal so let's get into LuLaRoe and we'll have to post some pictures um but now no shit to Canva because I've used Canva I use Canva a lot and now I'm better at Adobe so I do use it less yes but like all their graphics just look like they were ripped off I mean Canva wasn't a thing they they look they look cheap they They look incredibly cheap if you're a multi-million dollar company i guess like if you're first starting out canvas fine you know we use spark post and we use photoshop like we're but we're not overly fancy like if you're starting Mm -hmm. a like llc business incorporated thing maybe don't do that well because we saw like businesses go through as a business grows, you need to up your marketing and your design. Like, when we first put out our first episode of the podcast, like we had that logo for a year. It was cute, but when we did a rebrand, everything just looks sharper, cleaner, more professional. Yeah. And I, they didn't really do that. No. <laughs> they were like, this works. I'm going to keep this. Yeah, it's like some, like, mom Etsy shop, which mm-hmm. I guess is, like, probably the vibe they were going for. But I'm like, some of this stuff just looked very cheap which i mean mm. was maybe a predecessor to like how their product was True. gonna fall I apart mean, she charted and then when she was talking about these dresses she filled up ikea bags and that's how she brought these dresses around so oh, like, yeah ikea bags like yeah. huge rubber made totes like mm-hmm. this was not like a like a high-end business no. and then what because so diane knew how to sew so yes. she went down back to the swap meet and she bought these fun fabrics and she sewed her daughter a maxi skirt and then her daughter loved the maxi skirt so her she sewed her another one and then her friends liked them so Deanne went from buying these little girl dresses to 
these little girl dresses to sewing and selling maxi skirts, which at the time, 2013, 2014, you looked over Pinterest, that's all you saw was fun maxi skirts, especially like the chevron print, the gingham print. Yeah, florals. Yeah, because... Again, they were in Utah. They're Mormon, and in the Mormon religion, you have to wear skirts and you have to, you, you know, dress very modestly. Very modestly, and this was a way for because when we're looking for comfortable clothing, you and I will grab a pair of leggings. Yeah. But in the Mormon, and depending on how strict you are in the Mormon religion, like some parents will let their children wear pants, others will not. Yep. And for them, like maxi skirts, I have a couple. I, lo- I like, like, I have, like, big, long flare ones that when I twirl, they, <laughs> so it's not the type they were selling. Yeah, of course. But they're comfortable. Yeah. They're so comfortable. So this, so I under, I understand how that market started. Yes. Because they're like, oh, these are fun. It's not just, because all you, at first you could find was just plain black ones. Yep. And then, so they started doing that. They started selling the maxi skirts. And that picked up. And they were doing really well with that. So so that started with their business. And then in 2014 is when they added the famous leggings. But we'll get back to that. So when they started selling, they kind of marketed their business as a sharing amongst women. Yes. They tried to make it feel like a community, a sisterhood. You know, you were all you were all part of the family. You were all part of the sisterhood. We're just a bunch of girls getting together, selling some skirts and having some fun. Now, this model again was marketing. They're in Utah and they mainly were marketing to white women. Stay-at-home moms. Yes. Yeah. Like, that was any person they interviewed, which we'll also get into a little bit later, any person they interviewed was, like, a stay-at-home mom or a mom who had, like, gotten their degree and was very smart but had to stay home with the children now. Yeah, so single moms, stay-at-home moms, it, they almost... And then white women, or when later they did, they showed their LuLaRoe ads, it was mainly white women. Any women of color were just, were like white passing almost. Yeah. Or maybe there was maybe one person of color. Yeah, like the token. Yeah, exactly. And what they say is when they started this business, oh, we're not in the clothing business. We're in the people business. And he calls basically LuLaRoe the greatest psychological experiment give people a box of stuff and what will you do with it? Which is also so fucked up. Yeah. Dude. Like, here's a fish. Like, oh, here's a fishing rod. What you go do with it? Yeah. Like, it's a whole, like, teach a man to fish thing. Like, yeah. no. You, if you're starting a business, it's not a psychological experiment. No. It's a business. So this, bu- so they're starting the bullshit br- brigade going. And Amy and I are watching this and we're getting like the backstory. And then I met, I pause the thing and I go, Deanne does not know her camera angles at all, does she? Oh yeah, because anytime, so when it's not a professionally shot thing, they're not being interviewed. There's obviously like clips um, because LuLaRoe was like really big on like Facebook and anytime they'd send out like videos to clients and stuff, it'd be like iPhone videos or things like that. And you know that whole like trope of like moms don't know how to FaceTime and things like that. That's literally Deanne. This whole, every time there's another video of her, it's just those like weird angles, like close up. You can sometimes see her makeup line. It's really bad. But even when they were filming the interview, she her body was facing it. She would, I guess, adjust herself, but I was like, Deanne, sweetie, that's not a good angle. Mm-mm. Like you don't look good. 
obviously she thought she did. And I'm like, mate, did, did the, the camera person maybe kind of set up an unflattering angle? Maybe to just add <laughs> I don't think so. No? I think when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's just very, like, depend on how you're comfortable sitting. Mm. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> that was just, I, I had to pause it because I was like, why is this woman, we're going to later find out, is the head of a million dollar company and her camera's at her nose. <laughs> Yeah. So we have touched on the type of women that they that joined LuLaRoe. They were white women, well, mainly white women, single mothers, um, stay-at-home moms, Southern because they were uh, Southern from Utah, and the MLMs do. It is a classic side of an MLM. MLMs target. The, the stay-at-home mom market, they even talk about it in the documentary, is a huge untapped market. Because yes. how great does that sound? You get to stay at home with your kids and make money by doing part-time... They, they're very much big on advertising of part-time work for full-time money. Yes, falling in love with the opportunity. Exactly. Like, I mean, if you're, if you're a stay-at-home mom, that sounds great. Yep. If you, like... No, no, pretending to not know what we know, I would love that. I would love that. I I worked a job that I was um, customer service, but it was remote customer service, mm-hmm. and I worked part time hours, and it was a little bit more than minimum wage, and it was nice. I got my breaks. I could have a shower. I rolled out of bed five minutes before my shift started, but you had to be ready and waiting for the phone calls to come in and the emails to come in. So I would be at my desk for eight hours. Like I would leave my desk at, cause you got a 15 minute break and a 30 minute break. So I would leave my desk then. Or if I wanted to have like a bathroom break or a tea break, I would have my phone on loud. So if I had to stop making my tea, I could just run and pick it up. Yeah. But a girl asked me, a girl I knew at the time asked me, hey, my sister's thinking about applying for this job. It would be a great way for her to stay at home with the baby and make money. And I was like, no, that's not, this is not daycare. No. Like. A call center is not daycare. You have to call people, be paying attention. Yeah, because people, like a company memo got sent out because where people were like, you can't just decline calls because your, your baby is crying. You need to find care for your child. This is a job. Yep. Like, people would have one-offs. Like, I remember one girl going, my cat just threw up all over the floor. I will be back in five, guys. Like, that, everyone, like, if you had a thing every once in a while. Valid. Valid. But you, it's not an excuse for you to stay at home with your kids and then maybe no. answer three emails. Yeah. So, I understand from the women they were preying on how wonderful that sounds. It sounds super wonderful. And I think the one thing that we touched on a little bit earlier is that... They, and they talk about it. every woman in the interview is like, oh, I have a degree. I went to university. I went, I got schooling. And it almost felt as like the minute these women had children, their dreams of like careers got like crushed a little bit and they had to stay home, which is like, that sounds kind of bad. Like, obviously, if people want to be a parent, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. But when, you know, you go to school and you have these aspirations and then you have kids and you have to kind of take a step back, reevaluate, take care of your kids, you still want that job fulfillment. And the other problem is, which they don't talk about too much, but I know this is a huge part of people who join MLMs, a lot of them are military spouses. Yes. And when you marry someone in the military, you go where they are stationed. Yes. So it's very hard for a lot of women 
to have a career and children when their spouse is in the military because... And also just make friends. Exactly. So it preyed on them. Like, a couple of people they talk about, like, one of the, the women they interview, she lived in Hawaii and her husband was in the military. Yeah. Like, she... what And she stayed, was a stay-at-home mom. She was the perfect target. Yes. Because... A lot of women feel, when they're military spouses, they feel kind of lost. Yeah. So they want a purpose, and they also want to make money because, you know, the mil- that's a... Mil- the U.S. military is another story for another day that we will not talk about. I do not feel qualified to talk about that. Yes. But they were, again, a really good target. Basically, what they would do is, when they got these women, like, roped into the company they would have to buy in. Like any MLM, you have to buy a certain amount of product, which I think is what makes people feel like they own a business because now they have inventory. Mm-hmm. Because that's how owning a business technically works. But in the case of an MLM, you're not owning the business, you're owning the product. Like it's not your name, it's just you're you're just a reseller. That's all you are. And they would talk about how these onboarding packages were like between five to ten thousand US dollars. So Canadian that's close to almost fifteen grand. Which I'm sorry, what stay-at-home mom can afford that? Yeah, they were even talking about, oh, do do what you can to afford it. Yeah. Take out a credit card, like sell your breast milk. But then people tra- did sell breast milk. They literally interviewed a lady who's like, yeah, like we made a profit selling my wife's breast milk and we were able to buy into LuLaRoe and save money. And I'm like, that's that's fucked up. It is. And but then they try to back up, be like, don't go into debt, don't go into debt. But then but they would say join the business any way you can. Yeah. Or like it's a small price to pay to own your own business. But again, it's not your owning your, your own, own business. business. Owning your own business means your name is on the business license. No, you're just it's like when you're <laughs> when you're fundraising in school and you're selling chocolates. I don't own these chocolates. No, you don't know these chocolates. Growing yeah. up, my I would sell Girl Guide cookies. My grandpa thought those were free cookies, so he would just eat all of them, and then we would have to buy the boxes. That's not how that works, no, Grandpa. No, Grandpa, that's not how that works. <laughs> so, it was just, it was really sad because, again, these women are smart and they're educated, and they would just... And they got them in, like, a vulnerable spot mm-hmm. when they felt like they needed to do something. Yeah. And then what's great is the documentary now starts to introduce you to a bunch of the women that were part of LuLaRoe, from people who worked in the front off, like, in the head office, to people who were selling LuLaRoe, people who were at the top. And that's what it gets into. But then the documentary also is inserting clips of Mark and Deanne's deposition, because there is thousands of lawsuits against LuLaRoe. Oh, so many. So many. And it's it's really interesting because they're showing this bright and cheery interview of them, and then they're showing this grainy, dark deposition of them in court. Yep. And it's a really good contrast. And then they now introduce you to almost the set of characters. Yeah, who you meet and go back and forth in between. There's a whole bunch of them. Mm-hmm. We won't go into all of them. We'll probably just touch on a couple because some of them are like, their stories are very intense, and some mm-hmm. of them are like from their like offices, which like their offices dealt with some crazy things. Yeah, so they introduce you first to Ashley, who is like the third retailer to join the company. So she's one of the OGs. And she, again, 
was a big harper of Deanne told her, join the movement, join the movement. It's all about join the movement. She was, again, a, a stay-at-home mom with kids. Yep. You, you meet Courtney, who in when she started in 2015, became the highest status in the company. That you could get as a quote-unquote like seller. Yeah. They had a whole bunch of different statuses throughout the company, and how it would work is uh, if you were a trainer, or you would start at the base level, and then when you got more people to sign up, uh, you would become a trainer, which meant you had nine people selling under you. That was your group of people. And then you would receive a LuLaRoe watch, which was this prize-coveted item. Yeah, everybody wanted the LuLaRoe watch. Everyone wanted the LuLaRoe watch. The next thing you would do after that is if you could get three trainers signed up under you, and those three trainers had nine people, you would become a coach. And then after the coach, uh, the highest thing you could reach was a mentor, which is what... Courtney did. Courtney did. Which was a th- three coaches who had three trainers each and also had the nine people. So as you can see, what do all these little levels of people make? A pyramid. Yeah. But it's not a pyramid it's scheme. not a pyramid scheme. Not a, Mark says it's not a pyramid not scheme. Not a pyramid scheme. And then what they told Courtney is the best way to... Because making the money wasn't by selling the clothes. No. They go, they go into later about the bonus checks and that yes. was how you made your money. So Courtney reached the highest status. But she was spending her money as fast as it came in because they would harp on showing, flaunting your wealth was the best way to recruit, which makes sense because you're like, oh, look at all these things I have. You could have these things, too, if you joined, right? Oh, absolutely. And so she'd be, let's say she'd be making 50000 a month, but she'd be spending forty nine. Mm-hmm. And... That's how a lot, like, a lot of people, I've seen another documentary where they had everything and then they lost everything because they didn't save any of this money because they're very much like, show your wealth, show your wealth, flaunt it, flaunt it. Like, why are you not posting on Facebook? Why are you not posting on Instagram? Yeah, like, they had a... In the documentary, they talk about this hashtag that they had because of, it was, um, the hashtag was because of LuLaRoe. And any time you posted something positive in your life, they wanted you to hashtag it because of LuLaRoe. In meaning, meaning that, oh, I bought this nice handbag with like my LuLaRoe money. Look, I took my family on this beautiful vacation because of LuLaRoe, like all this money I made. And Deanne even says in the documentary, I believe she says this, I don't want to get in trouble. Or somebody says this about her saying they posted a photo on Instagram of just them having a nice time. And Deanne was like, why didn't you hashtag it because of LuLaRoe? Like, got after her, even Mm -hmm. though it's like, it's not necessarily true. They're just trying to build this, like, false narrative around the company. And it's just so, that is just so toxic and... Disgusting. Like, when we worked at the theme park, yeah, we would, like, tag the theme park. That's because we want Instagram clout. It's a bit different. <laughs> it's a little bit different. I wasn't telling people to come, like... Yeah. We weren't, we weren't recruiting people to come and, like, yeah. work for the theme park. Like, Granted, I <laughs> kind of did recruit my friend to go work there. That's a different story, though. She yeah. did that on her own terms. 
She had a great time. Exactly, but I wouldn't post like, oh, yeah, getting shit-faced at this random bar in Florida because of theme park. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were paying my wages. Yeah. <laughs> they paid for my visa to get in the country, but, you know, getting shit-faced shit at the Yeehaw Barn for $2 drinks because of theme park. <laughs> no, we weren't, we weren't doing that. We were just posting like, look at us having a nice time. But that's just so, I mean... Like, I don't know, is it a cult? I don't know. I mean, all MLMs are a bit of cult. It's a cult. Not a fun cult where y'all wear cute matching outfits. I mean, they were, they all had to wear LuLaRoe. <laughs> oh, God. Watching those clips and those, like, crazy, like, patterns and stuff they were Like, I remember, like, I remember seeing LuLaRoe. They would do those, like, Facebook parties. Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, seeing all the clothes. I personally never knew anybody who sold it. But I remember just, like, seeing it all over Facebook. And for a hot second, I was like... I was like, okay, like I could get behind like some of like the like the little like t-shirt dresses because I used to be obsessed with t-shirt dresses. You just throw that shit on, you go out the door. They're so comfy, but like everything else, I was like, why? <laughs> I I like now that I've gone to school for like marketing, I'm like, not my demographic. It's fine. No. And then so they talk about that, and then so they introduce us to a couple women, and then they introduce us to my second no i think he's my third favorite character so oh. far so they introduce introduce us to deanne's nephew sam oh sam so sam joined at 20 so what they did was deanne and mark set their entire family down and we're like, here's the business. And they wrote out all of the roles they needed to fill. And they wanted their family to fill it. Like, one of their nephews started crying because he's like, I'm just so choked up. They wanted us to help. And it's like, nah, dude, you were cheaper labor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, Deanton hires her nephew, Sam, to be the event director. He had never done an event in his life. <laughs> He had. He even says, "I had no idea what the fuck I was doing." And he, so, they get him to start a convention to kind of get more people to sign up for Lularoe. Yes. And they give him a budget, and they're like, "You need to get like a celebrity to come." So, who does he get? <laughs> Mister Sexy Colonel Sanders himself. Mario Lopez. I love it of all the characters he's played you at with sexy Colonel Sanders. Thank I you mean, for that. I mean, AC Slater is so stupid because he's like, oh, we got AC Slater from Save the by the Bell. No. Our generation knows him. As sexy Colonel Sanders. Sexy Colonel Sanders. <laughs> and he was under budget, too. He was, which is... Yeah. <laughs> Mario Lopez, know your worth. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. But it made sense because if you were, let's say, to... If they were planning an event for right now... If they got Billie Eilish, like, women that recruiting that age would be like, why? What? They wouldn't be excited to take a picture with Billie Eilish. No, but because it's, like, but it, Gen Xers. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Gen X. Like, uh, Gen X and, like, elder millennials. Yeah. He was from the 90s. Like, even I watched Saved by the Bell. And Mario Lopez was looking for money for a while. Like, I get why he did it. Don't respect it, but I get it. Mm-hmm. And... So they had him for an event. He took pictures with all these women. And then Sam was playing, like, older hits that, like, again, made like all Like Backstreet Boys. Yeah, NSYNC, exactly. And then... New Kids on the Block. The next day, they had, like, over a thousand people wanting to sign up. Yeah. Because he... The one thing he did know was he knew the demographic. He knew what these... What these women thought looked fun. Yep. 
and, and he I mean, knew how to throw a good party. Yeah, that's what he did. Like, he did not know anything about budgets, we later find out, but he knew how to throw a party. Yeah, and it got to the point where they had so many women on a wait list, they started doing these, like, things at the LuLaRoe conventions where if you were a woman not part of LuLaRoe yet, you went to these conventions and, like, signed up. It was, like, a golden ticket thing. Mm -hmm. They would just, like, pull your name out of a big vat, and then that day you would just get to skip the queue and... And it was Sign great. Up. And one of my favorite things of why I first was like, I, oh, God, he's part of the family. He admits it's an MLM, like, off the bat. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. straight up. He's like, they ask him, like, do you think it was an MLM? He's like, oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And that's why he is my third favorite at the moment. <laughs> and then in 2016, they had made over $70 million, and that's when they moved to Corona, California. And Sam's like, we were growing far too fast, way too fast. Nobody was qualified enough yeah. for how fast they were growing. And even even Deanne and Mark admit that. They admit that they grew very, very mm-hmm. fast. They don't say that nobody was qualified, but they do say that they, they weren't expecting that surplus of growth. So that is basically episode one. And then we get into episode two where we meet, of course, we meet people in head office and that's where it really that's where my my number one and two come in they're so, the best parts of the whole episode yeah so you have you have alana i mean she's pretty she's she's cool but she's not my top three she was the colorist designer because they had outgrown just getting fabric at the swap meet so they had this woman who got headhunted to like right out of fashion school to design these prints because they had to constantly pump out these these prints because LuLaRoe made it so their prints were unique. Like, once it's gone, it's gone. Yes. And she called... She also does not look like... She looks, like, quite punk. Like, she does not look like she... She does look, not look like a LuLaRoe girl. Yeah. Like, she would say... She would never... De- Deanne would be like, why aren't you in LuLaRoe? If, like, Deanne was coming into the office, people were watching for their cars, and they'd be like, go throw on some LuLaRoe. Mm-hmm. And she calls her designs as making art with a gun against her head. Yeah, because they, again, when their company started to explode and they wanted those very limited edition patterns, they were just throwing whatever they could together. And she and she said there was bad print errors because um, she was making these prints so quickly and then that's how you got the famous penis pants. Yes, yeah. some of the prints when they would like stitch them together in like their crotch area or like when they'd sew together dresses it looked like penises and it yeah. was not not a good choice or there was um burger leggings that looked like a vagina yeah, yeah that was also a choice although i feel like there is a demographic for people who would enjoy those pants <laughs> apparently like somebody found them online and they were like the famous penis pants from the LuLaRoe documentary uh, yeah. i love that but next, you, they introduce you to Daryl. He was the data entry and customer service. He worked in the email department. Daryl's my second favorite because this man is so bland but so salty at the same time. Oh, yeah. He's insane. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he said it was the strangest job. It starts with the strangest job interview he's ever had. Yep. He also did not think he was qualified for the job, but he was like, sure. <laughs> And he dealt with complaints, and he, this man, hates Mark and Deanne so much. Oh, yeah. He, he full-on admits in the documentary that he's like, they did not know how to run a company. Like, whoever gave these people the go-ahead for this, like, it's not okay. Mm-hmm. 
Like, he said they didn't know how to do data management. Like, everything was on, like... Excel spreadsheets that would just crash. And it was on, like, the same spreadsheet that, like, everybody in the office would be editing at the same time. So numbers and order sheets were constantly changing. And, like, as somebody who, like, went to school for, like, order, like, for fashion and, like, order sheets have to be so meticulous, that shit does not fly. No, it absolutely does not. And then he talks about how the onboarding team... He moved, he moved to the onboarding team, and that was the people who... So when you wanted to sign up for LuLaRoe, you had to, like, apply through, I think, their website. And then they had, like, a six-week waiting period. Yeah. And then somebody would call you and be like, congratulations, like, you're joining the, t- the movement, the sisterhood, the bullshit, yeah. the pyramid scheme. <laughs> and... He won, and people were so excited to get this call. It was like they were winning the lottery. Yeah. And he once onboarded a girl in the middle of her bachelorette party. Like, you have bigger things. Like, ma'am, you should be getting shit-faced right now. Like, exactly. don't worry about selling some leggings. If you called me in my bachelorette party, congratulations. I'd be like, congratulations, butts. <laughs> and hang up. Thank you so much. My wedding's in, like, a week. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Uh, and it was crazy because they, they had this huge onboarding team because more and more people were joining. And then they headhunted this wonderful woman for the onboarding team, my favorite character, Lachey. Oh, Lachey. <laughs> Lachey is the reason we wanted to kind of do a podcast about the documentary because she is like the famous clip that went all over Twitter. She is an icon. She is the movement. Yeah. She is the moment. She is the legend. <laughs> yeah. So, because she got headhunted for LuLaRoe, and she talks about how, you know, it was good in the beginning, but she, for her first day, came in, I think she had, like, Louis Vuitton on, yeah, and she was dressed up, she's like, I was looking hot, I was in, like, business professional, and then Leanne goes, go put on some LuLaRoe. Yeah, this woman is wearing, like, Chanel boots, Louis yeah. Vuitton handbag, and... Deanna's like, please go put on this $5 pair of leggings. Thank you. Thank you. That has unicorns all over it. Please go put that on. And she's like, okay. Wait, she's wearing Chanel. Yes. She's wearing wearing Chanel. Yeah, Chanel and Louis Vuitton. (laughs) Yeah. And so she started onboarding all these women. And she started seeing how much these women are making. And she's like, why why am I here? Why don't I just do that instead? They're making far more money than I am. Yep. So she ended up becoming selling and she also said like when they're onboarding you had to onboard like you had to make a certain amount of numbers and I think I think they were making like a million dollars a day yeah just by onboarding Lachey herself was making a million dollars a day by onboarding women exactly because with the sign up fees that's how much they were making so she was like shit I should be doing that instead so she does and then she starts selling and then of course she ends up going up the ranks because she's seen all these women do it she knows how to do it yep she's making all this money she's our queen yeah so Sam of course is like okay so Mario Lopez was the kiddie pool what do they up it next then they do a larger convention where they give him no budget, so he gets Katy Perry. <laughs> Katy Perry, come on. You have done some questionable things in your life, but I think the most questionable one, besides kissing that boy on American Idol, is this. Yeah. So they get Katy Perry, and Deanne was like, isn't that the woman whose things about kissed a girl can't have that? And he's like, nah, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> Deanne, don't be homophobic, okay? Yeah. Thank you. And then they get more people to sign up, so then they're like, Let's go on a cruise. So they rent a cruise ship 
just for all, <laughs> for everyone. And the famous quote. But before you say the famous quote, maybe we should just say about the cruise, is people would have to sell $12,000 worth of clothes to get onto this cruise, which is a lot, considering these clothes are like pretty cheap. Yeah, and if you were a coach or if you were a mentor or a coach, you had to be there. You had to be there. And if you were those positions, you paid your way. Mm -hmm. If you were a mentor or coach for any of the leadership conferences, any of that stuff, you were expected to be there. You had to pay your way and you didn't get paid for being there. And as someone who's been on a cruise, they're not cheap. They're they're fun. They're gluttonous as hell. Oh, yeah. No, that that shit is not cheap. Yeah. But our queen does not want to go on the cruise. And this is her reason. I love white people to death. But I don't want to be in the middle of the ocean with a bunch of white people. Uh, No, thank you. Honestly, fair. Yeah. If you're the only person of color on that boat, like, fair. Yeah, exactly. She was, she was like, oh, like, well, we'll hang out when you come back. But, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to be there. Not yet. Yeah, not yet. And, like, that meme went viral. And that's, like, yeah, why we decided to watch it. Yeah. Well, I was going to watch it anyways. But that's how I knew it got released. Because I just kept seeing that meme. Yes. And, I mean, I get it. Like, how the cruise was also a recruitment. Because it was, again, look, look how much fun these people are having. Mm-hmm. You should want this too. It's mm-hmm. it's flexing. LuLaRoe is just flexing culture. You could have this. Yeah. And you know, like they spent, like what Sam said, they spent. He was like, I'm not sure, like thirty million dollars to have Katy Perry oh, at yeah. that event. Like they spend how God knows how much on that cruise, and. Yeah, by like 2016, they had 60,000 consultants and were generating like $1.3 billion, but they did not know what to do with that. They had no idea because they didn't know how to run a proper business. Like they said like an average, like 25% growth every month, which for any kind of company, like that's insane. That's absolutely insane. That's not... That's not like manageable. That's like that's very unhealthy. Like mm-hmm. you're you're bloat. Like it's like when you go for like fourth or fifth at Christmas time because you just know the food is so good, but your button on your pants are about to pop, and the button on these Lululemon or Lululemon leggings, this metaphorical button, was about to pop. Oh yeah, because they were trying. They were trying to keep so everybody happy but the business was just it, you're how are you keeping 60,000 people happy yeah like they were the whole documentary it starts off like very slow and just like showing you the company's like humble beginnings they signed up more people they did these things they signed up more people they started doing more of these things and then they started just like flaunting their wealth which meant more people were signing up and it was becoming this huge movement and it was becoming really 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 insane but I think the crazy thing that the episode ends with after we hear about all this wealth and oh they're growing they're growing you think that's going to be something exciting like how did this company maintain their growth they didn't because at the end of the uh the documentary it ends with them going LuLaRoe destroyed my life which I'm pretty sure is what the next two episodes are going to get into because every person they interviewed was a top seller and it's now 
I'm pretty sure they're going to interview the people who lost everything. Yep. And so we purposely did not watch the next two because we want to watch Shit Hits the Fan freshly in our minds. Yes. Huh. But I think that's where we will end it. So that was episode one and two. If anyone is interested about watching this without our retell- after our retelling, it's, it's quite good. Can't wait to see where it goes from here. And I think my one note is it's kind of funny that Amazon made this documentary because if anyone knows about exploiting workers, it's Amazon. I mean, okay, t- <laughs> this is my one thing. <laughs> yes, we all know, Am- yes, Amazon sucks, but like, damn, Amazon Prime puts out some like damn good video, movie, oh, TV I know. show I, content. Wait, I'm, and getting I- a, I'm getting a second <laughs> season of Catherine the Great, like... Yeah, I like The Boys is super good. Oh, like, they put out so many good things, and I'm like, God damn it. Like, damn it, Amazon Studios. Oh, yeah, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah. But all I can say is, don't gaslight gatekeeping girl boss too close to the sun. No, because that's what Mark and Deanne did, and look where they are now. Um, well, we'll have to wait and see till next time. Yes, we don't actually know. Maybe maybe they were able to pull themselves up by their bootstraps and get their company on their merry way. Although I don't think that's what happened. I highly doubt that, <laughs> yeah. But thank you guys so much for listening to our retelling of this documentary. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you don't, well, I'm still going to give you part two because <laughs> we need content. Yeah, we need content. So, Amy, why don't you give the outro? Yes. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. We appreciate it as always. Again, the documentary is called Lula Rich. You can find it on Amazon Video. Or there's a very shorter Vice documentary about Lula Row 2. I think it's only like 15 or 30 minutes. Yeah, it's on YouTube. It's completely free. It's also completely free. And it's it's just a lot more of a condensed version of this story. It tells a lot more about one of the ladies they interview and kind of... it That documentary puts LuLaRoe in a very, very bad light. Like, mm-hmm. awful, awful, awful light. This documentary fluffs it up. It it makes it seem very dramatic, which we all love drama. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's be real. This is why we're listening, watching this documentary, so it's fine. But there is a free option on Vice. If I can find the link, I'll put it in the little notes down below. If you want to keep listening to our lovely voices every two weeks, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Anchor, and any other places where podcasts are available. You can listen to us on YouTube. You can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram. And you can find us on Twitter at CYTMS Podcast. You can find Kelsey at Kelsey Peets on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And you can find me, Amy, at Shelly Amy on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I think I got everything. But until next time, Kelsey, can you take my shift? No, I gotta go on a cruise with all the other white people. If you go missing. (laughs) Me or white, you're fine. I'm white, fine. (laughs) Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system.